sanitation is often charged as a percent of your water bill in most utilities, or as we are saying in some cities where there is no water meter, it is charged as a percent of property tax, and then it gets into your general revenue of the local authority. Hello and welcome to the season two of Understanding the Future. I'm your host Punit Gandhi, and Climate Center for Cities is excited to bring to you a podcast about the future of work in the field of climate change, urban development, sustainability, and innovation. We will talk to experts working on ground as well as in the top management of government and non-governmental organizations to better understand how the field looks like in future. This will help us in preparing to enable climate actions as well as gauge the type of skill sets and jobs that would be required in future to solve complex challenges. If you are listening to it for the first time, do tune into season one. In the last episode, we had super interesting conversation with Dinesh Ji and Meera Ji. For citizens to assess the kind of services that they are delivering, so it's a very different approach, and uh, something that we are hoping that over time, and we would also initially at least like to focus on more vulnerable communities, uh, communities in slum areas, in more difficult areas, to see whether the kind of services that are being delivered, as Dinesh was saying, on the supply side, what the cities claim. What do the citizens feel in terms of what services are they receiving? Are they unhappy with getting only two hours of water supply every day? Do they want more? Or are they actually quite happy with two hours if they are done given on a regular basis? So these are kind of questions that we would like to also understand from community. We are also trying to do this by involving local women and uh, women self-help groups to take this up. So build their digital capacity in a sense to take on this kind of activity. And hopefully then, you know, the the local government also will view this more positively as feedback from uh, citizens rather than complaints coming from citizens. I hope you enjoyed the second part of the episode. What are the different things that you are actually monitoring under TS? Because... uh, it should be simple enough that whoever new comes in also understands and is able to deliver on the same. So on those lines, if you are talking about water supply system, what are the different things you are trying to monitor or measure uh, as well? Yeah, uh, very quickly, what we measure, for example, in the we do it on thematic basis. So our first thing to monitor is access. And under access, we look at in water, do they have tap at their home or do they depend on the community taps or things of that. So access, likewise for toilets, whether they have home toilets or whether they have a toilet community. The next kind of a thing is the, what we refer to as the service uh, quality. The quality of service refers to in water, it's very important, uh, first of all, uh, the hours of supply, so how many hours the water is supplied in a day, and then the number of days in a month that water is supplied. And I must say that uh, when we analyze the data that we information that we got, we realized that large number of cities in our database do not supply water every day. Forget about intermittent supply of two to three hours. Many cities supply water every alternate day or some cities even uh, every uh, third day. And when you look at the quantity of water in terms of per capita supply, it's quite adequate. I mean, it is 100 LPCD, but it is not supplied every day. It is supplied alternate or something. So these are the quality data, and then also the sam- uh, the quant- quality tests that they have done. And unfortunately, in India, currently only chlorination tests are mandated for water. So whether how many samples have passed there, 
chlorination test, etc. And there the answer is quite uh, obvious that most of, if the samples do not pass, they are not mandated not to supply that water. So that answer is. The third aspect of assessment is on sustainability. We talk about financial sustainability in terms of uh, cost recovery, uh, how much of uh, costs are recovered. So that gets us into tariff, water tariff, water pricing, that. And, and then uh, also the uh, sustainability is in terms of, as we were discussing earlier, the sources of water, groundwater, how much of surface water, groundwater. And then we talk about this uh, efficiency. In water, the efficiency is measured in terms of the NRW, the non-revenue water, which is like a global uh, indicator to assess the utility performance. So how much is the NRW, the non-revenue water? So that is on the efficiency perspective. So these are the... And the finally, which is not done in many of these uh, assessment frameworks, but we look at is the equity aspect. And we have uh, what Mira was talking about, equity, uh, access of services in the slum to what separately from, because when you go to cities, they often will talk about that so many connection. But when you ask them how many people in the slums have connection, then you realize that while they claim 90% water connection for the city, in the slum, it can be only 60% or 50%. So. That's the fifth dimension that we are assessing. So these are the dimensions on which we do that. And we then, we have uh, lots of uh, what we would call uh, action indicators. Although there are some 32 KPIs, the key performance indicators that we have in the system, which are aligned to the service level benchmarks of the Ministry of Housing and Urban Affairs. But we have a range of other kind of indicators that cities can use to compare themselves. And just to go back to a little bit of history, the whole benchmarking exercise came out of Xerox company. When they found that they were the, you know, the, the monopoly, the whole, they were the only company providing photocopying, photocopier all over the world. And suddenly they discovered that Japanese companies, Sharp and many other companies started producing photocopier machine at much cheaper cost. And so Xerox company was losing its business. So it uh, sent out people to these other companies to check on different processes that what were the different processes of manufacturing where they were outscoring Xerox company. And that is how the benchmarking concept came, that other companies are spending uh, much less time, much less labor, much less energy on the same process that Xerox was spending more. Now, likewise, in our own assessment framework, we are trying to look at how much of energy unit is a city using per MLD or water supply. One city is using two units of electricity, other city is using 20. So why is one city doing it more efficiently than the other? The number of employees. And so we have series of these kind of action indicators, which are truly the kind of indicators on which cities can compare themselves and improve their efficiency and performance. I'll just stop here with a final comment that uh, increasingly, we see that the big cities, the corporations are now moving into what we call the SCADA system, you know, the computer acquisition of data. And that is now enabling them to do this uh, efficiency assessment uh, more, you uh, know, much better manner than before. So they are no longer using these paper logbooks and dependent on the valve persons and others to see when the valves were open. Now on the SCADA system, they can make out not only the flow, but they can open up pumps and other things. So this is now helping cities to 
provide more efficient water system but i think there is still a lot more to do i'll stop here thank you so much uh, this this surely is helpful because this helps now us uh, understand as well that okay when we are talking about water supply we already covered a bit of uh, different uh, sources to sink and then how the whole process is kind of monitored as well and the systems in place as well now what are some of the major challenges that we are looking at uh, while i implementing this system we have covered this to a certain extent but if anything uh, that is left and we can cover that up before we move to the other side of the uh, questions as well challenges in the sector yeah uh, challenges in the sector water i think water what dinesh was alluding to although we are gearing it up in terms of better systems and all but as i mentioned before that we don't have 24 by 7 water supply in yeah. most of our cities uh, we don't have faith in the quality of water from our taps so we need to introduce special uh, mechanisms at our household level and only puri now again has introduced this uh, drink from tap so these are aspects that need to be addressed within the system but i also want to highlight and given the climate impact that dinesh was talking about earlier although we may be benefiting by bringing water from long distances i think we also need to start looking at water resources from a city perspective much better what are cities own water resources that are available what uh, ground water sources the watershed management around the city why are we not you know including this in as planning in urban planning perspective we keep saying urban planning seems to be linked only to transportation nobody does urban planning which is linked to water supply systems or sanitation system then base it on that this is something that's extremely important uh, bhuj the city where we were doing some studies with the local the ngo group that we find that bhuj actually gets water from narmada 200 mile uh, kilometers away whereas the city itself its own water supply systems in terms of you know own ground water and river water coming from around in the lake sorry uh, is something that's not being paid attention to the watershed management which was developed long ago is actually broken down because of variety of issues institutional issues you know, different uh, management agencies are in charge of this and therefore there is no interest in maintaining and developing these so these are issues that also need to be looked at uh, we find in development urban development lakes are all getting built over rather than lakes being promoted as proper uh, sources not just sources of water but for managing the uh, water supply system within the city these are aspects that also need focus on so Uh, rainwater harvesting is within our cities is something that dinesh i don't whether he referred to this whole aspect of integrated urban uh, development uh, system where you actually look at water resources in this particular manner these are aspects that need focus in our city so i think that's very very critical to look at also also let me also get to some what i call the daily challenges of water management in cities yeah. and we we have been you know no city in the country except puri now and couple of wards in hubli darwar and one or two cities have 24/7 water yeah. malkapur in maharashtra is a small town that supplies water 24/7 and hubli darwar parts this is this often is a surprise to many people because who come to india from abroad because they have never experienced that you get water in your tap only for 2 hours or 3 hours a day now this intermittent water supply has many challenges first of all the quantity of water for example the quantity of water that the city of chennai is supplying 
is less than what the city of London is supplying. And roughly both are same population. But London is supplying 24-7 portable quality water drink from tap. And Chennai runs out of water every uh, summer and then you water is provided by tankers, etc. Part of the reason is that our intermittent water supply, which when we supply water at two to three hours, it has to go at a very high pressure and everybody is using their opening up their tap at the same time. So you have to push water into the pipe at a very high pressure. Uh, our pipes networks are old. So these often there is a breakage of net pipes. Uh, this causes water losses. And even more severe is that often the water pipes are close to the sewage pipe and which are also old and their sewage pipes also have joints at various distances. So there is a leakage and seepage of sewage water into our water pipes. And that is causing the challenge. That is why everybody at home has an RO plant and whatever, just to ensure that the water that you drink is a portable quality. And so you treat water at home because you do not trust the water. So this whole uh, business of intermittent water supply causing water losses is something that needs to be managed. Now, Puri uh, in Odisha has tried to uh, handle this situation. And as we heard from them, that they have been doing it over the last 10 years. So it's not that overnight they managed to do it. So all our cities will need to begin to move to ensure, not that we want every city to move to 24-7, but we want them to go to uh, do what we call water audits. That if you are supplying 100 million liters of water in your system, how much water is actually going to the consumer? And where is the water getting lost? in the system. In the power sector, electricity, the energy audit is a very common thing. Industries do that all the time. Uh, many cities have begun to do these energy audits and that is what led to shifting from, you know, the fluorescent tube lights to LED lights and all of that has happened. In the water sector, we haven't done water audit properly. And I feel that we have to encourage our cities to get into looking at uh, auditing their water and where it is going. The challenge here is that we don't have water meters at, in many cities. In our city uh, survey, in our thousand city sample, we find that only some 200 cities have meters at the consumer end. And some of them don't function, but at least the water meters, which is a common thing in a big city like Delhi, Mumbai, Bangalore, it's not common in cities of Gujarat. They don't have water. We don't have water meters in Ahmedabad or Surat or Badoda. Yeah. Uh, so then it is very difficult to assess the quantum of water that is being consumed at the consumer. And so those are the first kind of challenge. And that, you know, metering of consumer water will lead not only to assessing how much water is being consumed, but also help you get into the proper pricing and volumetry pricing and all of those other advantages. So even before moving to 24-7 water supply, we would urge cities to move to metering all their water points and water supply so that they can begin to measure quantity of water at the various points of their distribution system and also at the consumer. I, I do agree over there, and uh, and I also I think you have answered to a certain extent already this question. But uh, I would still like to bring a bit of light on uh, net z uh, or uh, day zero that we talk about because at one point we are trying to go twenty four seven water supply. Other side we are actually trying to just help ourselves that okay we don't reach day zero, and that somehow is uh, quite a a uh, huge gap I see in between those two things because it's not that uh, we are just trying to get to water. We are trying to save ourselves from reaching a point where we don't have any water. 
so how what are the things that are being done to actually you know cater to this whole thing people to answer but so i guess we to some extent talked of this already but uh, this whole question of reuse of used water is very important yeah uh, more importantly and something that i tried to highlight earlier also is that dependence on water from very uh, distant sources uh, reducing that and uh, relying much more on sources that are internal to the city to introduce this whole idea of better watershed management for cities in relation to the kind of uh, sources around the cities better management of uh, drainage systems within the cities these are aspects that are very important as i said earlier not only our lakes are being built over our drainage system nobody knows where the drainage systems were within the city fabric they are all getting built over there is no recognition that these are very important aspects of overall watershed management just to just to get to a point and here i think as uh, urban planners both of us are urban planners and we want to highlight that uh, our cities in the past had recognized this issue and we can see large parts of rajasthan delhi gujarat we have this culture of what are called baulis or wow where what is talked about the rain water was stored into these bauris and it was used by for people by people during the lean season summer season we know that the city of jodhpur had an elaborate or mandu in madhya pradesh had elaborate structures of getting water all the way from the hills to the uh, city the city of bhuj where we did this uh, studies also there were 24 points from where the water shed along the hills uh, were used to bring water into the city which fed into their two major lakes of the city and that supplied water now all this traditional wisdom of our uh, cities that we have lost and i think this is it's not that we want to revive revive the bauris for tourism purpose but we need to understand that what was done in the past what can we do in the modern times at home and that in, gets into rainwater harvesting at the house so, so every family every house we need to talk about how to conserve water how to get water and how to store water our own house in amdabad in the old part of amdabad where my grandfather lived we had a tanka what is called uh, rainwater where water was collected and my grandfather is to tell us that that's a 50 year old water but it never even if there was no water supply from the city uh, we had no problem we could always use the hand pump and get that water and it was useful safe to drink etc so those are the kind of traditions that we need to get back into sorry you know i just want to add that to some extent and we were looking at the bhuj history some of our students actually did more detailed inquiries and to some extent the changes have happened in india because of the kind of norms that were brought under the colonial rule in terms of you know the level of water supply needed the kind of habits that have developed all of us are used to having much more water and therefore to some extent waste water also to a great extent so maybe a greater awareness in terms of conserving water in our homes reduce yeah. our dependence on very uh, habits that are you know more water intensive and the behavior change communication around these issues is something that is also needed to ensure that we don't depend on this mega systems for water supply always and what dinesh was hinting at that we now to some extent this water will still come 
but can we match it or can we even outgrow that in terms of more local sources? How do we do that? And how do we uh, change our usage patterns to ensure that our consumption actually goes down uh, and yeah. wasteful consumption at least is yeah. avoided? Things like that are equally important in the overall strategy of water supply. Yeah, in terms of just to give an example that like I think over the years we did this uh, toilet design. So now we've moved away from a 15 liter flush by designing toilet properly. So we can do it with two, three liters of flush and that has happened. We haven't done much on the water taps, but I think big water, you know, the fitting. So water yeah. taps but we now know the new taps are coming up that the flow can be minimized and we can still the water. Uh, we still use showers, but how can we minimize the uh, flow of water in the shower? Now, these are small things, but as we have seen in the on the energy front, on the power front, that the, the whole LED revolution, then I think that is one kind of change major major change that we will need to happen at the household level and the same thing then can continue at the city level with the water audit and then the rainwater harvesting and lake rejuvenation etc our new amrut 2 requires every city to develop what is known as a water balance plan and the whole water concept of a water balance plan is precisely what Mira was describing. Identify all sources of water that the city can tap onto and then look at the ways in which the demand for water is managed. Not curtail, I would say, but how can we reduce, uh, you know, through appliances, through fixtures, plumbing fixtures and through other kind of sources. Yeah. Because we find that there is also a lot of iniquity in the water usage. Yeah. The poor people are using only 40 liters per day water per capita and the non-poor families are using uh, 500 liters per person per day. So that gap of 1 to 10 also somehow needs to reduce and it has to come from the non-poor families and they will have to demonstrate how to reduce consumption of water. Absolutely, that's that's very true. And uh, I would like to uh, like fasten up the questions because I think we have three to four major questions left. But here, one thing that does come to my mind is that conservation and reuse is very important. And I think we would I would like to shift back to the sanitation side now because now what are the major challenges that we are looking over there and uh, how how can we you know try to minimize the same in the Indian ecosystem. Yeah, on the sanitation, we come back to this whole question of what we call the network city and non-network city. So uh, we are saying that half of the urban population living in those 400 large cities have access to network systems of sewage. And those are the cities where the challenge, as we keep saying, is carrying the waste water and the black water both into the sewage system and trying to treat that water and trying to reuse that water up to the standard. So those are the important things and there the major there we see a couple of challenges. One is that many of these sewage systems have been designed in an incremental manner. All our cities have grown over a period of time. So we keep adding uh, networks, we keep adding. So large part of the city population, even in the big cities of Mumbai and Delhi, are still not covered with sewage system and they have to depend on an on-site system. So the challenge is to connect them. The second challenge is that given that we have these incremental networks, uh, you know, typical sewage line, we need adequate flow of sewage uh, water into that and slopes to let that go. Now, we can't keep maintaining the slope all the way, so the gravity flow cannot be maintained. So we have pumping stations. So big cities will have a large number of pumping stations. And so there are energy costs here. 
at many of these junctions we have the maintenance holes and in the past lot of solid waste or other things used to get into this maintenance hole and we did not have so we have manual labor cleaning these and we have had all kinds of uh, difficulties so many people uh, sanitation workers have lost their lives so now we are talking about banning manual cleaning of these maintenance holes and mechanical equipment so these are expensive things many cities big cities can afford but smaller cities do not have these jetting machines that require or these robotic machines so those are the maintenance challenge of the network and then the making the stps work the sewer treatment plants work to the new standard that the ngt has laid out so that is the other challenge of the network system sorry just to add to what dinesh was saying in terms of uh, this whole aspect of regular uh, in terms of on site sanitation systems the regular desludging of septic tanks which if it doesn't happen leads to the solidifying of septage and therefore leads to the need for manual labor and on this we have introduced in a few cities in maharashtra this notion of scheduled desludging so it's a public service that the local government provides of cleaning your septic tank or emptying your septic tank on a cycle of 3 years so every 3 year once in 3 years scheduled uh, as a scheduled service septic tank will be emptied by the local government uh, what is interesting is that these cities have although it is like a public service in, it is introduced as a, a ppp arrangement which means a public private partnership so the local government has engaged through a tendering process a private sector service providers to provide this service in the cities and this is something that is working quite well in these two cities it is backed by uh, more digital uh, uh, monitoring system so that things happen properly and that the private service provider is paid only on the basis of Uh, actual service deliver so what we also refer to in financing as results based financing so only on our performance linked uh, uh, contract so that's a kind of model that has been introduced for the first time the private service provider brings their own uh, uh, truck and therefore the capital investment is done by them and they are paid by the local government they are paid through uh, by the local government through a uh, sanitation tax or transfer from property tax and this is very important unlike the user charge system because we find that to introduce a schedule desludging service if you have a very high user charge it's not something that's likely to work also that there are large public health benefits that accrue from this kind of sanitation services so it actually makes sense to uh, introduce uh, a sanitation tax or transfer from property tax and because it is linked to property tax it's a very equitable arrangement so people with higher property values will pay end up paying higher charge and that's something that's very fair and equitable and therefore you have a very inclusive sanitation city wide inclusive sanitation service everybody or each and every property will get this service once in 3 years and they uh, repay they sort of cover this cost through uh, sanitation or property and because private sector service provider is involved there will be some efficiency gains that will also happen over time so these are new ideas that are being introduced and government of maharashtra government of india has also picked up the idea of scheduled desludging services and introduced as part of the swachha sarvekshan so we are hopeful that over the next few years this is a service that will start to get provided in many more cities i i do hope so as well because i think that's uh, important and uh, sched- uh, scheduled desludging and everything becomes quite integral 
part of the ecosystem as well uh, from the major health point of view. Uh, are there any other innovations? Health and environment point of view. Now, Absolutely. What we are beginning to find, and we are actually in one of the cities. Why we are monitoring the quality of uh, supernatant or effluent coming out of septic tanks when a regular service is being provided. And there is marked improvement in terms of this, and therefore the groundwater quality and the river water is also uh, there are improvements at all. So it's inclusive, uh, likely health impacts, although we are not monitoring that because it, that's a bit difficult to do, but also environmental impacts that are likely to accrue from these kind of services. Yeah, no, absolutely. And here somewhere uh, I do feel uh, that finance will be a major thing that needs to be looked into because currently, as you had also already mentioned, uh, that hardly some cities actually charge customers to, you know, for water. And uh, that becomes very important. Is it possible here somewhere uh, that this can be brought into the ecosystem as well? Because this is a very sensitive topic uh, in India specifically and linked to major political uh, giveaways as well. But uh, how is this possible to bring a more equitable approach to this whole ecosystem and uh, to be able uh, uh, to make sure that there is a better system in place and everything can be done in a fair way? couple of thoughts. One is we earlier discussed about water meters. This is something that unfortunately in our cities, this is not very common practice and where they are there often we find uh, meters don't function properly. The share of non-functional or unfunctional meters tends to be very high. So this is something that will have to be paid attention to as we move towards better and better water supply service provision. And I don't think we can do away with that. On sanitation, it's a different issue. There are two, three ways to approach this. Uh, so water meters introduction, I think, is absolutely a requirement. And within that, there are ways to introduce uh, what I would call measures to of equity so that people who consume less, so you can have block tariffs, a higher consumption level will pay much higher tariffs. There can be a minimum or even free water at very minimum level. Unfortunately, but Delhi has used a very different way, the idea of free tariff, which came from South Africa, where actually a minimum level of six kiloliters per month was introduced as free water that was made available. So these are ideas that can certainly be explored uh, to make it keep it equitable also. For sorry, sorry, I just want to intervene here to say that fundamentally water and sanitation are seen as public goods. Now in economics we call about talk about public goods are those that have uh, non-rivalry and non-extinguishable then often it is the responsibility even in our municipal acts and otherwise it is the responsibility of a local authority whether it is provided by the private sector or government but it is through the it's a responsibility of the government now so as a public good that has wider benefits not just for consumption like water consumption, but also health benefits, and just as we discussed, health, environmental benefits. The public agency, public authorities uh, can charge to recover part of the cost, but um, at least my personal opinion is that it may not be what we call the full cost recovery mechanism. The local governments or the utility providing that service has wherewithal with many other kinds of uh, sources of financing. So what, what happens in the case of water, uh, while it has become a political issue, uh, that is true, but there is some amount of water that, uh, you know, to bring equity as we were thinking or uh, talking about earlier that 
there are group of people who consume large amount of water and there are groups of people in our city who do not have access they are at the tail end of the pipe so they consume much less so this distinction needs to be priced properly and therefore as mira is rightly saying that the meters are essential to ensure that the higher uh, consumers that consume high quantity are actually priced out we do that for electricity and we should do that for water itself and therefore wherever there are no meters we should put the water meter now whether we can recover the full cost and full cost i mean the capital investment of water sanitation infrastructure as well as the operating cost of water and sanitation infrastructure is a issue that we often are not able to recover because if we want to recover capital cost again then the tariffs will become very very high and unaffordable to many people so we can at least we focus on look recovering the operation and the main, maintenance cost and to that extent uh, whether you provide free water to some or some quantum and otherwise even in many cities many places where they introduce this concept they actually realize that in the initial phase there was a benefit because lots of connections became metered because everybody wanted the meter because they wanted access to that free water so more connections got metered and therefore they actually managed to get some efficiency in the system reduce non revenue water and increase some revenue by charging so those are the kind of advantages as well to bring about this efficiency sanitation is a bit difficult because there is no volumetric charge possible so often sanitation yeah so sanitation is often charged as a percent of your water bill in most utilities or as we are saying in some cities where there is no water meter it is charged as a percent of property tax and then it gets into your general revenue of the local authority and those are never enough and there all our local governments in the country have to depend on the grants either from the national government through the finance commission grants or the state grants etc so those are the ways in which cities finance themselves and then water sanitation solid waste are these essential services that will have to come from some of these uh, what we would call grant based resources and not necessarily user charge or user fee based resources sorry meera wants to add just to add i think we are we as urban planners and people dealing with these don't pay enough attention to what i would call the issues around fiscal decentralization uh, it is true that you know state although local governments when we compare the extent of uh, fiscal transfers to local governments in india with other countries we find that the share is very very little uh, and it is important that local governments are recognized as major entities and despite 73rd 74th amendment this has not really happened in terms of although many functions are transferred to them they are not backed by adequate uh, transfer of resources to them so this is an issue that certainly needs attention there are uh, econ many leading economists and scholars have argued that gst should have had a special share for local governments also which is not and in fact because of gst some of the sources of local governments have actually been taken away so these are issues that also need attention at a more macro level and if we really want the services to be provided properly well equitably and an increasing level of services then i think besides the technical some of the technical issues that we talked of pricing issues that we talked of i think other issues wider issues of fiscal decentralization and related aspects should also be paid attention to and only then i think 
local governments will be strengthened uh, and they will really be able to do some of these things that we are really talking about. My Absolutely. favorite quote here is that, uh, just to close, that Ahmedabad Corporation had the, uh, I don't know whether you are aware, but Sardar Vallabhai Patel was the mayor of Ahmedabad. This is the level of leadership that is required at local government level. And that can only happen if you back them with adequate resources. If you don't, then you know all these other things are a result of this uh, uh, anomaly, so to say, in our systems. No, absolutely. I, I do agree. It's, it's quite complicated. And I'm, I'm new to urban development sector in general. So for me, this is all very fascinating to know as well. Uh, and I think that is one of the reasons to uh, start this podcast as well, because I can now understand uh, better all these things with experts on board and ask them directly questions so that I can improve my knowledge while helping out others improve theirs as well. So on those, that note, I would like to come to our uh, last question that we ask everyone. And that's on skill sets. That uh, if we want to work in uh, area of water and sanitation, what are the different skill sets that the people will require to work with on uh, in this segment? Yeah, let me take that up. Uh, we have sort of alluded this a uh, bit, but... Uh, and since both of us teach at the School of Planning at SEP, we feel that the whole notion of IUWM, as we refer to, which is the integrated urban water management, that's the skill that I think all the, at least the urban planners must have. And that skill requires uh, looking at uh, the kind of issues that we have been discussing in this conversation about uh, where is the city getting various resources? What is the demand for various resources? How are they being managed? And what are the issues? So that oh, the whole notion of IUWM is very important. The second, and if there are more architectural uh, kind of students or urban design, we refer to something called the water sensitive urban design issue. And these are becoming very important. And some people talk about this concept of spawn cities where we use concepts of porous uh, pavement surfaces where water seeps into the aquifers and how do we store water. But, and in, good old days as we said that we design not only at the household level but also uh, at the streets how do we design our streets so that the water actually gets collected and not does not get drained out etc those are the kind of issues that at the micro level uh, the urban designer architects can talk about when you design a house it has to become conducive to a rainwater harvesting system. It cannot become like an added on and then it gets very difficult, but otherwise. And so from a micro at the house level to uh, looking at streets and then to the whole city as a IUWM, I think those are the skills that would become increasingly important. Sorry, Meera wants to add something. No, no, I just wanted to add that this is one side of the story. The second side or the other side of the story is to equally focus on what I would call institutional and financing issues. What we would call studies of public policy, for example. These are, I don't think that we can deal with all of this only through technology and design. We will also have to have proper institutions, proper pricing, proper economic policies, which actually enable cities to take on these activities. And therefore, I think it's a balance of both sides that is needed. And I just remember back to when the School of Planning was started in Ahmedabad. We, in fact, had students coming from a variety of disciplines because it was a postgraduate course. 
uh, we had architects and engineers, but we also had economists and we had other geographers for other disciplines. And this is something that will be required as we move forward. And uh, for these groups to work in, uh, in tandem, so to say. So you may have design, but you also need public policies that are conducive. You need financing policies that are conducive for these things to happen. So that is the balance that will have to be achieved over time if we really want our cities to become water sensitive, if you want to avoid what do you call day zero and so on. And we want all of our reuse of wastewater to happen. This combination is something that will be required. Absolutely, I do agree. It's it's not one field uh, that is generally required, and that is something that has been consistent uh, with uh, through the podcast that we have seen as well. That it's it's generally the a lot of different skill sets are required in each field for that field to develop, and that for me is quite fascinating to know. And I I hope that more and more people can understand the same. Thank you so much for your time and uh, sharing your knowledge. This was absolutely uh, incredible talking to you guys because I learned so much more about water and sanitation in general, especially from urban scenarios, uh, that, that it's invaluable. Thank you so much. Thank you, Puneet, and thanks to yeah. NIUA for asking us to do this. We thanks. also benefited a lot by having this chat. Yeah, and thanks a lot, Puneet, and thanks to NIUSCQ. Thank you so much. You have been listening to Understanding the Future podcast. To know more about Climate Center for Cities, check out our website www.niua.org slash c-q. The show is conceptualized, produced and edited by Punit Gandhi, Senior Associate at CQ. You can now subscribe to our podcast on your favorite channel, which can be accessed through the credits. Also, don't forget to follow us on our social media for more updates. Do share your reviews with us and help us spread the podcast to your friends and colleagues. Do write to us if you would be interested in learning about any specific topics. Thank you and stay tuned for our next episode.